Hello, everyone. Welcome back, listeners. We've missed you, honestly. And who's we this week? Who's joining us? Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 What's everybody been up to this week? Anybody done anything fun? Bought any new shirts? I haven't bought any new shirts, but and I'm you know not a lot other than working this week. But I'm off to Old Trafford tomorrow, so that's something to look forward to. Nice. Not as a Man United fan, it's not. Well, the thing is, I'm sat in the old, in you know the Man United end, but it's actually a Legends match. So it's actually it's a game called the Legends of the North. It's uh, United Legends versus Liverpool Legends. So should be should be good. Oh, any big names going to be involved? Well, I've seen that the United Gary Neville's playing. I think Dwight York was on there. Ever? Uh, yeah, I think for Liverpool, the the usual crew, the Carragher's playing, and uh, I did see that uh, Voronin was playing up front. I was quite, I'm quite looking forward to that one. I quite like seeing some of the obscure players, so it should be, it should be a good one to see. He's, he's probably not got any worse either, so that'll be, that'll be good. <laughs> uh, if they'd have got uh, Dimitar Berbatov involved, you might even have got Pep to come and watch. He's pretty obsessed with them two at the moment. <laughs> Scott, I so see you didn't actually buy a shirt, but you bought a pair of new boots. Yeah, I bought the new, uh, well, they're not new, actually. They were released along with the pink and white colorway Predators. They did throwback to the David Beckham colorway that was worn in his final LA Galaxy season. They've just kind of mixed the the colors around a little bit. So I had a discount code, so I thought I fancied adding that to my growing but not obsessive boot collection. Excellent stuff. Well, we're not loose women, though. Let's move on to the news. On the 18th of May, four days before the final game of the season, one of the biggest clubs in Europe has released a new shirt. Yeah, it has to be the record for the latest shirt release, surely this one. Marseille with a new fourth shirt. And to be fair, it was drastically needed because, you know, home shirt, white, obviously, with blue touches. The away shirt, blue, you know, contrast. The third shirt, also blue. But we did need this fourth shirt because that's blue too. So... It's irrelevant, it's late, and just completely pointless, if you ask me. Other than that, it is quite a nice shirt, though, design-wise. I don't mind a one-off shirt. I'm a shirt collector, but without any real special elements, it's, it's a no for me. So it's a complete colour flip of the home shirt, isn't it? Their big build-up to this, all of their marketing campaign, was about how it's made... T- 2,600 years is officially what they say in the press in the presser. 2,600 years of, of work has gone into making this away shirt. I have to admit, I didn't watch the rest of the video to figure out why, because it sounds ludicrous. Like I say, I just think it's completely uncalled for. If this was their away shirt, it would have been a nice shirt, a nice addition to this year's kits, even as a third shirt. But to have it this late as a fourth shirt, yeah, I just, I've got no interest in it really. Do you know what? I'm not even a fan of the shirt, Tom. You can back me up on this because you've got the uh, AC Milan home authentic, don't you? That yeah. neckline is dreadful. Oh, it's terrible. The city, the AC shirts, yeah, they all have it. It looks really, it looks unfinished. You know, it comes, it's quite low cut and it just, yeah, it looks weird. I'm not it's a fan. It's got a, very much a blouse feel to the Puma necklines this year. And there's a reason when you see any of the players playing for a Puma club, they all have like a base layer or Under Armour. And it's just because the neckline is so plunging. It looks, it, it does, it looks ridiculous. Even Giroud doesn't pull it off, which is saying something in, in, in Milan, you know? No, I, I, 
I don't mind the shirt, to be honest, uh, neckline aside. And I, I like a reverse home and away as well, to be honest. Bit of a throwback to some of the 90s shirts then, the templates. But, like I say, it's absolute crocker. So-and-so, isn't it? I mean, what, the, the idea of, of bringing it... Look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for shirts. I, you know, I, I love it. But bring out as many as you like. I don't care. I'm a football shirt collector. The more shirts are on the better. But make them different from each other. Don't bring out three exactly the same colour. It, we, we, I, I try not to moan too much about the idea of clubs rinsing the fans for money, but this one, that's, it's nothing more, is it? That's, that's all it is. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's uh, let's move on. Actually, the uh, the podcast lawyers have been in touch, and Tom, they want us to clarify that any rumours about Giroud pulling things off in Milan are completely unsubstantiated. <laughs> on to a brighter note, though, Mike, we've seen some colourful kit news over the last seven days. We have. There's pretty much been rainbows everywhere for the last uh, few days in the week or so. So the first one, we saw the name sets for the French League teams they all they all wore off this was something i think it started last year and it was it was basically they did a motto last year of gay or straight we all wear the same jersey and they followed that on this year by wearing the rainbow name sets on the international day against homophobia i'm a big fan of the name sets but i think they look really good across all the shirts personally i'm a big fan of, of what it supports i think you know that's something that we should be doing in football and as well as the french league it followed over because we also saw the release of the MLS Pride pre-match shirts, which I believe are going to be worn through June, which is Pride Month. That's a cool shirt. It's really, really smart. I've been, I was doing a little bit of reading up on it before I came on, actually. And one thing I never noticed until I read it is that apparently the inspiration for the diet design is the 1988 Ipswich template. Now, I did not see that in the slightest before, but as soon as I was told that zigzag pattern that runs sort of like diagonally, when you just flip that up so it's a bit more horizontal, you can even see the, I believe, the, the gradient type pattern within it. So it's a, a nice little nod to a, a very, very popular template as well. And again, great, great, you know, campaign, just football's everybody's game and it should really be that way ironic that this slogan is gay or straight we all wear the same shirts and gay is straight but still wouldn't wear the same shirt yeah (laughs) not sure where to go with that (laughs) keeping that in that's fine the only disappointing part of the name set for me was that they just did the number I think it would look cool if they did the name and the sponsor too but they only did the number the MLS shirts are great, though. They put a lot of effort and, and thought into the design. And it raises, I, awareness, it raises awareness for a very important cause as well. So I think it's, yeah, they're, they're really good shirts. I really like them. I think they not only look good, but as you say, the campaign that it's for is good. I did see a few people, you know, mentioning that they might not be donating towards the LGBTQ plus charities and so on. But I think that regardless of that, I think that it's, it's not necessarily about that financial... Um, backing that you would get from it I think it's uh, it's about the, the the support it's a show of support it's a show to say that this football really is everybody's game and we shouldn't be you know criticising the fact they're doing it I think that yeah overall the shirts look good and as you say the, the, the campaigns are really really important one that I just think everybody should be getting behind it's an awareness thing isn't it yeah in a week where Jack Daniels has come out as first gay footballer since Justin Fashioning in the UK I think it's a really good message and it's really good to see people being supportive and embracing somebody that's brave enough to come out and everything we can do to support those campaigns is great 
It's European Cup final season at the moment. We've already seen a couple of games played out, but uh, it was the Europa League final during the week, and we saw some kit changes in response to that, Scott, as our resident Scott. It does It does seem appropriate that I should cover this topic, even though I have zero affiliation to any Glasgow-based clubs. But yeah, it was widely noticed that Rangers were wearing their home shirt, um, but with a different sponsor. So usually they would wear their Unibet sponsor, but sporting sponsors have been forbidden in Spain since August 2021. So obviously with the match being held in Sevilla, they weren't allowed to wear the sponsor. So they donned the Team Talk sponsor, which is a Rangers charity foundation that aims to support men's mental well-being. Now, funnily enough, this wasn't the first time that they've worn this sponsor in the competition. So when they played Leipzig in the semi-final, then Unibet actually don't have a license to operate in Germany. So because of that and it being a betting sponsor, they weren't allowed to wear it in Germany either. And uh, But the team did announce that Unibet had made a considerable uh, donation to the Rangers Charity Foundation and they were obviously fully on board with that sponsor being worn. And before the game, there was a lot of chat about, oh, it's a shame that the shirt isn't available with that sponsor. But I'm guessing all of those requests have disappeared after the result of the game and nobody will want <laughs> the shirt with that sponsor anymore. But it is not available to buy commercially for those that were interested. I don't know if anybody's watched the Paul Merson documentary. It, it made me uh, you know, probably a lot more against gambling than I would have been before. So I think it, I think it was nice to see a, a charity like that on the shirt instead of a betting sponsor, but then we'll not get into that topic. But clubs have got to make money, and if somebody's going to pay them to sponsor them, then I suppose that's just what they'll have to do. I met Paul Merson once, actually. Funny you mentioned him, because it was at Chandon Races, and he had a pint in each hand, and he was putting a bet on. But, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I've been stuck with him in a lift before. Um, he never mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> But he never mentioned he'd met Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, I know we've seen it a lot throughout history, teams having different sponsors in Europe, but I just find that really strange that, you know, in the modern game where everything's so commercially focused that sponsorship deals will be struck knowing that teams won't be able to wear them in Europe. I find that really odd. It was the same as you. I would have thought that part of hosting a European flagship final would be that, you know you made allowances for that type of thing aesthetically looked quite nice though yeah it did far better than their their unibet sponsor which isn't hard i don't think many gambling sponsorships actually look any good anyway but yeah very aesthetically pleasing well speaking of aesthetically pleasing let's have a quick rundown it's new shirt release season uh, and a bit like last week let's quick fire through some shirts and anybody's got any strong opinions please shout them out we had officially launched a new Arsenal home shirt this week. Good standard Arsenal shirt. Big kerfuffle about the stripes. Is that right? I'm seeing that. Yeah, it's so nothing that's... new, but that was a big talking point is the horrible shoulder length uh, stripes that don't go, don't run the full sleeve anymore. I think I'm on my own with this one. That I don't like the collar. It, it seems to be the selling point for most people, but I don't know what it is. It, it just seems to be kind of just been plonked on the top of the shirt it, there's no i don't know it just doesn't seem to flow with the overall design of the shirt i don't know what it is i think it's perfect for five thursday nights on bt sport to be honest <laughs> real madrid county cricket club released their new whites this season what, what do people think now weirdly i 
I like this one. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. Weirdly, I think the collar looks better on this shirt, maybe because the shirt's overall got a, a more simple design to it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great Real Madrid shirt. I really like the purple accent on it. And it looks like, I'm, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it looks like on the authentic, at least, there's a nice debossed Real Madrid badge on the across the pattern, which I also really like. I think it's really nice. Right, a couple of quick fire ones. In Man City, yes or no? No. Totally biased because I absolutely hate them. The shirt looks all right, but I honestly think people are over-exaggerating how nice it is because their last few have been so crap. Honestly, it's a plain blue shirt with a nice accent on the collar and the cuffs. That's it. And it's a throwback to a player that half of them don't even know because they only started supporting them in 2008. I don't like the crimson. And am I missing... Where's that... Have they had crimson on a home... Mate, I know they've had away crimson shirts, but not on a home, have they? Not on the one that they're throwing it back to as well, because that was just white. There was no crimson on that one either. I actually like the shirt, so I'm obviously different again. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. That means that one Man City listener may not turn off right now. So we probably have already, but thanks for trying to add some even feedback. And finally, no, Scott, I'm not letting you say any more about Man City. <laughs> uh, and finally, Red Bull released, Red Bull uh, Leipzig, should I say, released their away shirt for next season. I, I think I've seen this. It's, it's red and it's got... <laughs> just a red t-shirt yeah yeah i mean it does have kind of a, a background pattern on there like crosses like kind of i don't know it's it's a yeah not the most inspiring shirt in the world and also why is the away shirt being released before the home shirt that can go in room 101 i don't like that that's for next week mike resident german expert what's your um official view on this well, I definitely didn't just Google it to see it. Not a big fan, to be honest. Looks, It's just a bit mad. I think it probably doesn't help because Leipzig have had a few really good shirts over the last couple of seasons. So I think people expect big things. Just, yeah, looks a bit a bit meh. Hasn't got wings. We don't normally talk about leaks, but there's an awful lot of noise about the Inter Milan new home shirt that hit the headlines over the last few days. We won't go into the design at this point because uh, I think that's going to be a whole episode in itself. But one of the big notable things is then there's no stars on any of the images for any of the three shirts that we've, we've seen so far. So I think this will all become clearer after the weekend. And it's looking like AC Milan will win Serie A. But if they do monumentally fluff it, and let Inter back in, then it will be, I believe, their 20th Serie A title. And of course, it's 10 Serie A wins for a star on a, on a shirt. With them currently on 19, I think they're waiting to see the outcome at the end of the season to see if they'll have one star above the crest or two. But it's looking likely it will just be one, which means I'll probably look really silly when this is released on Monday and they've had an amazing turnaround. I'm upset about it, though. Like there, there's a lot of chat about like where's the star, where's the star, and it's a leak. It's not even the released shirt yet. Well, I think this is some inches of the actual home shirt on sale in a shop in some part of the world, whether it's authentic or not. And most of the pictures have been quite consistent, so it's a good observation by some people as to where the star is. Some have said is it on the sleeve, and that explanation Tom's given, we'll we'll go with that. We've got some very exciting news for you all this week with our brand new segment. Kid history, kid history, we haven't made it up. Kid history, kid history, we read it on Wikipedia. 
Right, I thought I'd kick the feature off with a nice, easy one in the form of Boca Juniors that some people might already know. So in 1906, Boca were playing in black and white stripes, which was really unpopular. So just before they played a team by the name of Nottingham de Almagro, they switched to a light slash sky blue. Problem with that is Nottingham de Almagro also wore that kit. So just before that game, the team's officials decided they would make a bet. Whoever won that game got to wear that colour kit moving forward. The other team were not allowed to wear it anymore. So uh, Boca lost that game. So they reverted back to the black and white stripes again. But nobody liked it. So they were were looking for a a different option. So when the new season came around, everybody was talking about it. What are we going to do? The president, a guy by the name of Juan Brichetto, came up with the rather unusual idea of going down to the port of La Boca and simply picking the colours of the next flag on the boat that went past the port, which is exactly what they did. The boat that went past was a freighter called the Dropning Sophia, which translates to Queen Sophia. And it was there was a Sweden flag flying on it. And that's where the blue and gold come from that they still wear today. I did not know that. I actually didn't. It's a good job uh, the skull and crossbones didn't pass by, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, appa- apparently, so, uh, one of the, one Bocker fan recently said, "Thank beep." A Greenpeace ship didn't go past. <laughs> <laughs> and none of that um, history was taken from Wikipedia, right, Mike? Actually, none of it was. No, no. I, I, that comes from two different sources and confirmed. None of which are Wikipedia. This week's feature is about an incredible new shirt, which unless you've been in Spaceman, going back to your, last week's Eurovision episode, you can't have missed. So welcome to our feature this week on KitPod. It's a very special guest for us because we have the designer here of potentially already the kit of the year, and that is Chris Payne. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Thank you for having me. So, Chris, perhaps you could start just by telling us which kit it is that you designed that we're so happy to to be speaking about. <laughs> wow, um, what a responsibility. I am um, here to talk about the recent York City Football Club kit. It's a special edition kit uh, to celebrate their 100 years of existence. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of passion and a lot of hard work went into the design of the kit and also the production of the kit. And so... Yeah, that's what I'm here to talk about. I said to you just before we went into record, I'm failing to remember a, sh- a kit shirt that has received so much unanimous praise since it it was teased to us in the Minster. It's, it's hugely popular online. Have you been pleased with the reception you've had for it? Yeah, it's been great. You know, I've actually, um, I've actually, not to sound arrogant or anything, but I actually knew fairly early on into the design stage that this is going to go down a storm because we did our research, we spoke to the fans, we looked back at history, we made sure that every single design element had a reason for being there. And yeah, then the way the club that launched it, along with the, the identity, it just, it all came together really nicely. So the phrase is always nice, but we we worked really hard to make sure that it would actually please the fans and not just put something out um, hoping it would. We we did our research. I mean, absolutely. I think from reading your blog posts on your website, it's so clear to see just how much you've put into this shirt and how much research you've done in the design process. I mean, it's crazy how much you've managed to pack in there in that design. Of course, we'll go through it, but I thought maybe we could start with the first bit of design work you did, and that was on the club crest. Yeah, 
Yeah, the club crest is, that's what I do. That's my bread and butter. Like That's my day job. Like I don't usually design kits or, or shirts for football clubs. I do it on special occasions when they ask me to. But my prime bread and butter is designing crests and identities for football clubs, both in England, uh, overseas in America as well, and also in Canada. And so, yeah, the club reached out to me. They had seen some of my previous work and they asked me if I'd be interested in designing a special edition crest that would celebrate 100 years of York City. So it's really cool that they reached out to you because they liked the pre- previous work you'd done. Would you mind maybe telling us about some of that work that you have done? Because I know you mentioned Eastleigh on your blog post. Yeah, I have done a number of different clubs in England. I started off with Alfreton Town, which is a club which is fairly local to me. I'm from Derby and Alfreton is, is just down the road. Um, so I did a, a nice design for them, which featured King Alfred the Great. Uh, and that was based on the fact that the local area had a lot of history with King Alfred. The town was named after King Alfred and uh, one of the original identities for Alfred and Town featured a king within the design. So we brought that back. So we referenced history to form the future. And then from there, the work went down so well that other clubs started reaching out. So I worked with Taunton Town, who have a peacock on their identity, which is really nice. I worked with um, Hitchin, Hitchin Town as well. And then the big one which got me noticed by York was Eastleigh, Eastleigh Football Club, the Spitfires. So I worked with them about a year ago now, maybe about a year and a half actually ago. And, um, and they came to me because they had a very old identity and an old crest. And their nickname was the Spitfires, but they didn't have any kind of uh, reference to the Spitfire within their um, identity. And they're called Spitfires because the, uh, there's a lot of history of the manufacturing and design of Spitfires. And the local community are really proud of that. And so with the club's nickname being the Spitfires, we then um, incorporated it into the identity and it had... It had an amazing reaction. And one of the people who, who really admired the work was Dan Simmonite, who is York City's media officer. And, and he got in touch with me later on to ask if I would uh, be interested in working with York City. I mean, just listen to you speak there about all these clubs that you've worked with. You put a lot of prominence there on, on the history of the, of the clubs and the areas. And that certainly has carried on into this work that you've done with York. I mean, how big a task was it? a club centenary, a hundred years of history and heritage. Is that daunting or is that, you know, you rub your hands at getting access to that? It's a little bit of both because it always comes with uh, pressure because if a club's been around for a hundred years, you've got, you've got thousands of like really passionate fans. Most, well, not most of them, but some of them have like York City references tattooed on them. Like yeah. that's the thing. It, it's, it's funny. I work with clubs in, in America as well, who are kind of like startups. They're like new clubs. It's like America at the minute is this breeding ground for new sports teams. And it's like what England was a hundred years ago when all these clubs were forming. And, and then a hundred years later, they've got this passionate fan base in america i'm working with a lot of clubs who don't have any club history it's like a blank piece of paper and so i often get asked the question do you prefer working with clubs which have a lot of history or um, clubs which have no history and you can you can pretty much create something from scratch and i have to say i do really like working with clubs that have got a lot of history because there's a lot to draw from and there's a lot of past memories that can be included in an identity not just the um the design of the crest but also the wider brand and the wider visual language and yeah it's a, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it but there's also there's a way to do it right and that's to um, listen to the fans and research the history and make sure you know every single thing about the club before pencil meets paper 
I was going to say, I mean, like you said, it's, it's important to listen to the fans and the people that are ingrained in that club culture. And that's exactly what you did with this York City shirt, because reading some of the stuff that you, you've put out, one of the things you did was two fan surveys. Yeah, um, well, we did a number of different things with the fans. I can't take all the credit for it because uh, the club was very adamant that they want, wanted to do this and they wanted to do it with the fans' involvement. So we sent out a brand survey via social media. And that was asking questions. This was this wasn't in person. This was like a form that the fans would fill in, and any any York City fan could fill it in. It wasn't um, restricting anybody, and it was all about the club's history, past identities, questions about uh, previous kits that that they liked over the years, and club colours, favourite moments, things like that. A very wide set of questions, but. It's to start the conversation about the club and start the conversation about the history and some of the memories that the fans latch on to. And so, yeah, we did the, the, the survey, which brought back a lot of interesting data. But then also we hosted what we call listening sessions as well, where we, uh, we set up a Zoom call. We invited fans to, um, to talk about the club, the past identities. So we could get those conversational anecdotes about what the fans like, what they don't like. Those were really, really interesting. And I've got to say, it was like, it was a proper honor meeting York City fans because they were all great. Like all, like the passion for their club was just, yeah, it was amazing. It was a joy to listen to them, and I could have I could have listened to them for many hours more, but uh, I had some designing to do. But yeah. <laughs> so a good evening from Rob Palmer as the teams take to the field. York City of the second division, a big night for them, taking on Manchester United. Great control by the man in the number seven shirt. No, it's not Cantona yet. It's Neville tonight. Barnes with a shot, takes a deflection. Oh! Damn it! Long-footed Kevin Pilkington and York City have taken the lead at Old Trafford. Barnes prepares to take his second. He's looking for a second goal, Barnes. He's got it and he can feel the tremor around Great Britain. Manchester United, two goals down and down to ten men. This isn't in the script. Nevers cross. Easy for Pilkington. He's done. He's lost it. Oh, my word. It's 3-0. Tony Barris rose above Kevin Pilkington then, and that's going to complete a night of misery for Manchester United. Oh my word, what a shock. It's the stuff that Roy the Rovers annuals are made of. All time whistle goes, and there it is. What a night for York City, one of the greatest nights in their history. They've beaten Manchester United by three goals to nil. I mean, one of the, the responses that you got was the favourite crest of the fans over the, the course of York's history. And am I right in thinking it was the, the 1978 to 02 was that came up as the outcome, overwhelmingly their favourite crest. And, and it was that crest that you took a lot of design inspiration for the centenary one. Yeah, they had five crests in their history. So one of the questions in the survey, and this was really interesting to me because I would get some actual data on it, percentages and um, of, and also in the listening session, we would have um, some anecdotal conversations about previous crests. And so, yeah, you're right. The one from 1978 to 02 was overwhelmingly the most popular, which I was happy about because that was a really interesting identity. I had really good balance and symmetry. And and yeah, the fans, the fans really liked it. And so whilst there was a lot of other crests and comments about the previous identities, which I did actually take some inspiration from in the final crest that I created, the main the main starting point was um, that favoured crest from um, 1978. And just for the listeners as well, that crest from 1978, 
and some of the design elements you used in this centenary crest. Quite central to that is Bufan Bar, which is obviously the old city gates out towards the uh, west of the city. And that is on both of those crests, your one and the one from 78. And also, like you said, we have that symmetry of the two lions either side of the bar. And I think how easy is it for you as a designer to incorporate symbols like that from a city from a previous era into what you want to do? In this case, it was fairly easy because the design, the original design from 78 of the Boven Bar was stylized and it was interesting and it was simple. Uh, the lions were highly stylized, which which gave it its own unique feel. So in this case, it was really easy. In other cases, when you look back at uh, previous identities or, or uh, crests from the past, they're usually very complicated and, and they've got a lot of uh, difficult designs to work with. Whereas with this one, because it already had a sense of style and it already had a sense of familiarity to the fans, I didn't want to tweak it too much. I kind of wanted to stay true to the original design. I did clean up a few little bits, but um, yeah, staying true to the original design was was something that I wanted because I wanted that familiarity with um, with the fans' memories. You've done an amazing job on the whole kit, I think, but the crest especially, because like you said, it's appeals to that heritage, but it's distinctly modern in how it looks too. It stands alone as well. Um, and I really like the bit that you put in the blog post about how you was able to frame it and, and what the iconography behind framing it was. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the previous um, identity, which was like obviously heavily referenced, the one from 1978, that had the Boven Bar and it had the lions on either side, but it never really had um, like a frame or a structure to it to hold it all together. And so I wanted to ensure, because obviously we now live in the modern era and um, there's a lot of different applications where football clubs identities are seen both outside the stadium also on social media on merchandise and all of that good stuff so i wanted to frame it in a shape and so the natural shape that occurred to me was a circular shape and and this i chose this not just because it would house everything really well but also it had a little bit of relevance and reference because we're talking about a crest which is a which is to celebrate 100 years of york city and i feel like a circle it's kind of like the club are, are, are completing a circle. 100 years, it's, it's like, it's, it's the completion of a cycle, right? So there was, there was that, which I thought was really interesting. But then also the whole theme of the, the rebrand was this theme of time. Club have been going for 100 years. We, we did this launch video, which heavily featured time in it. And um, the club had this clock. This, it's called the Dear Love Clock. It was on top of the pop end at Boovham Crescent for many, many years, right? So a lot of the fans will be familiar with this, this clock. And uh, the clock actually featured the couple of lions either side of it. And so I kind of wanted to abstractly reference that clock. And so that's the reason, and obviously the clock face is round and um, it, it, it plays into that completion of a cycle. And so that's where the, where the circular shape came from. And so it's just one of those things I like to make sure that every single design element within within a crest has reference and meaning because i mean when you design a crest it's, the canvas is really small so you, you can't fill it with loads of stuff but you have to be careful about what you include and what you don't include it's like every detail has to be nailed on and it's important doesn't it because like you say you haven't got an unlimited canvas to work with so but i love that i love the the, the, the cyclic it's like cyclic i can't say that word I wouldn't even attempt it. I don't. Yeah, even... I'm gonna. I'm gonna move on from that. Go <laughs> again. I've got all day. So yeah, you did. You did an unbelievable job with that crest. Like you said, putting so much detail into it. 
And then, of course, the next step for you was designing the kit itself, which, as you mentioned, is not something that you'd necessarily done before. So how did that come about? I, I have actually done uh, kits before, but it's not really my main thing. My main thing is designing the identities for football clubs. And I did a kit once for a club in America called New Amsterdam, which went down a storm as well. Uh, that was really interesting and really good. But it came about basically because I think the club was impressed with the level of detail in the process and the execution of the design for the crest. And then they said, hey, look, we're going to have a, a special edition kit and we'd love to see if... Um, you could come up with a design and, and work with Puma on on making this. And so, yeah, I, I just I jumped to the chance. I already knew a lot of the history of the club. I was already kind of very familiar with the, the directors and uh, people behind the scenes. I had some idea of what color the kit could be uh, from the research and from looking at the history of the club. And so, so, yeah, it was just a natural kind of fit and a natural next step. And like you mentioned, the research that you had done and this engagement with the fans, they, I feel like you quite quickly came up with which color it had to be. And that was obviously the maroon and the maroon and white, white being the shorts for this centenary kit. And that's because that was the, the colours that York City, that went on their inception, that was those were the colours that they, they wore before switching to their more modern colour palette. Is, is that something that you ever had any other ideas in, in you know, irons in the fire for colours, or was it always going to be that maroon and white? I think we went into the... Um the process in speaking to the fans with like um, open minds and we didn't we didn't really want to kind of lead the fans any any way we kind of wanted it to be very organic in terms of like how the ideas came out and so in conversations with the fans in the listening sessions it was brought up that the club originally like some of the diehard fans who know everything about the club it was brought up about the fact that yeah um, originally they played in maroon maroon and white and so um, one of the fans suggested that it would be a really interesting idea to bring back the maroon and of course even going into the listening session we knew we knew of this and we had an idea of that in the back of our mind but we we wanted it to really come from the fans and so the more that we thought about it and even strategized about changing the club's colors for one season only to maroon um we we thought yeah you know what this is this is ever you're going to do this this 100 year anniversary is the time to do it. So yeah, the club were very brave in, in wanting to change the colors. And I think it just makes for like, it makes that that kit more of a special addition to the fans. You know, it's like, it's not, they're, they're used to over the years buying red and white and blue kits. And, and now they've got an opportunity to have a, a maroon and gold and white kit in their wardrobe, which I think is great. I was going to say, it really adds to that kind of specialness of, of, of the shirt, doesn't it? One year only, the colors are changing back to what they were a long time ago. Obviously, the, the, the main standout feature on this shirt will, will come to very shortly. And I know when, again, it's something that you referenced in, in, on your website, is a lot of the time with these special edition, centenary, limited edition type shirts, clubs will go down a, a certain design route, whether that be past players or newspaper uh, extracts from, from the past and from the club's history. You avoided going down that well-trodden route and you've done something that is very unique to York. And perhaps you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we considered everything when we was coming up with design of, of the kit. So yeah, past players, um, headlines from the past, special moments on there. Um, but it, it had all been done before. And so we really wanted to um, have something which no other club could really claim. Because like every club could do what previously mentioned ideas. Every club has got headlines. Every club has got uh, previous players, and they, they, you know, they work because they have like those ideas. They have 
relevance and the fans will remember the players and headlines and all that kind of stuff. So they're not bad ideas. It's just we wanted to do something different and we wanted to do something very uniquely York. I remember we, we was we was pitching that in in a pitch to the, the directors when we were showing the designs. But yeah, we looked at York. We looked at the city as well. We wanted that connection between the club and the city. And so when you look at York, you've got an abundance of historical places and uh, bits and pieces of architecture and legends and stories and myths and all that kind of good stuff. But the thing that puts York on the map is the Minster because it's just beautiful and it's been around for ages and it's just it's just like I'm in love with that building it's like I studied it for so long in the design of this but um yeah the Minster really does hold hold, hold a prominent place in, in York's history of course but also like the skyline of the city and it's such a dominating character for the city and so we wanted to see if we could weave some elements of the Minster into the design of the kit. I mean, like you said, York is an absolutely beautiful place to visit. I've been there lots of times myself, and that was kind of how I justified my own pre-order of this shirt. Like you said, there can't be many people that know the intricacies of that minster quite like you do. I can kind of picture you cradled over with a pencil and a notepad, kind of taking in all the details. But how how did you pinpoint parts of that minster to include in the design? How, How did you go about that? It was actually fairly easy because I had like an abundance of different shapes and forms to work with. And so the Minster's got like these um, these sweeping curves and these like these really nice arches where the uh, stained glass windows are. And like, yeah, it's it, there was just so, it wasn't like I was like searching for, for different interesting shapes. I just had loads. It was more of a challenge of like what to leave out and what to focus on. So I looked at some of the more iconic features of the Minster. They have this stained glass window set called the Five Sisters. And so that features on there. They had uh, the rose window as well. And all these like little intricacies, which people of York will will know and recognize. I wanted to make sure that they were front and center of, of, of the design. And then, yeah, it was just after that, after identifying which bits and pieces of, of the Minster to include, it was it was putting them together in a structure which had good balance, it had good symmetry, and it just it just felt right. It's not really like a mathematical equation or a science behind it. It's more it's very optical. It's like just mm-hmm. stepping back, looking at it from a design point of view, and thinking, is the balance right? Is 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 it? Where does my eye go? And like, I didn't really want anyone's eye to really go anywhere. I didn't want to like draw the person's eye to a particular part of the design. It's more kind of they see it as like a a pattern as a whole, which is evenly spread. So. Yeah, a lot of um, tweaking and a lot of um, reflecting and a lot of just making sure that it looked right and it had the right balance. One thing I just wanted to ask, because obviously looking at the shirt, it's got like a broken stripe effect, hasn't it? The details of the Minster and then the maroon colour palette. Was that always going to be that style or was it initially going to be the whole shirt was going to be the Minster print? That is that is a great question. It was originally going to be the whole shirt was going to be the... Um, the minster print but we looked at it and it was just a little bit overwhelming so i think by putting it in stripes it just gives it a bit more structure and a bit more form and it kind of breaks it up a little bit and so i didn't i was conscious that i didn't want to create something which is too loud and people might not might not wear it and so um yeah i think the stripes do a good job at breaking it up and giving it some structure 
I think, yeah, I think that's exactly it. And, and like I said, I think this is why this shirt is going to be a lot of people's contender for shirt of the year, because it just hits that balance of everything perfectly. You know, it's it's got detail in it, but it's not it's not crazy or over the top. It's just, like you said, balance is, is crazy good on it. And, and obviously going from that history and that heritage into modern football, and there is a modern touch on this shirt as well, which is obviously the the, the tag on the bottom left-hand corner of the of the shirt, I think, which has a QR code on it. Can you tell us a bit about that one? Yeah, um, we we wanted the kit to be referencing history, but we also were very aware that look, we live in the modern age and we wanted to make sure that fans who buy the kit, because there's going to be a lot of, um, and I know for a fact that there are a lot of people from around the world who aren't even York City fans who have bought it, and so we wanted to add that little touch of technology to it, let's say. So there's a QR code on the bottom. Um, there's a little tag on the bottom and it's, it's, it just gives a short little message about this is a, a special edition kit. It's 100 years of York City. And then the QR code is there for people to scan on their mobiles. And then they are taken to um, a landing page, which, which talks about the history of the club. And um, there's a nice little video on there. It's just a nice way of doing something which is inspired by the past, but it has this little modern touch and, and people can... Um, interact with it both physically and also digitally yeah absolutely it's it's a lovely touch as well I can't wait to get my hands on it and give it a go too obviously this this shirt designed by yourself but uh, manufactured by Puma what was the process like working with 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 them did you have to fight for certain details or was it a really collaborative process you know what Um, they were really good actually sometimes there are occasions when you work with manufacturers for merchandise and things like that you do have to fight for certain details but puma was was really accepting and really um easy to work with as well they had uh, some set colors so the colors which uh, it was originally designed in weren't actually uh, colors which puma had but they did have a maroon in their in their color range and so that that was great and it worked out really well and um and I think they were also impressed with the design that they didn't really want to interfere with it too much. So, yeah, I only have good things to say about the experience of working with Puma. They were great. That's interesting. You mentioned about the kind of set colours and this was something that they didn't have in, in their oeuvre, so to speak. But like you said, the, the bespoke design of it, it just it speaks for itself. And if you're able to do that ever, it is for a, an occasion like this and a 100-year shirt. The club and yourself, you must have so many things lined up to celebrate this season are there any kind of tidbits or 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 little teasers you can give us about what's upcoming (laughs) yeah the club are going to do um a full photo shoot in the minster that i think that was one of the big things which got the which helped to get the reaction that the kits got the design is obviously really nice and uh, and people people really like it but also the context in which the kit was launched like the club did a, um, a small photo shoot in the minster uh, referencing where the design originally came from so that that tied in really nicely yeah um, those photos look great just speaking personally i'm sure it may have been the case for a lot of people this shirt kind of dropped one day with those photo shoots and and, and the links and it was like wow where has this come from <laughs> yeah yeah, no, I think it was it was always a part of the plan once we knew that we were going to um, have the Minster be the the inspiration for the design of the kit. But yeah, the club got access to the Minster. They've got good relations uh, with with York Minster. And and so, yeah, they've taken some photos for launch, but they plan to do a wider photo shoot as well um, in the Minster with the players wearing the kit. And so that's obviously super exciting. That'll be... And then also, everyone's talking about the home kit, but no one's seen the away kit yet. So wait until you see that. That's... Uh, 
That's cool. Well. <laughs> You've got us on tenser hooks there because if it's anywhere near as good as, as this one, we're definitely in, in for a treat. So that is going to be uh, another special jersey, is it? The, the Oasia? Yes. I can't give too much away because um, obviously it's the, club's, it's the club's right to give the information out. But um, yeah, I can just say it's a good one and it's, um, it's again inspired by history. Oh, absolutely can't wait. Perhaps we'll have to get you on again, Chris, when that when that does come out and we can have another chat about, about that one. Yeah, of course. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, I've got this shirt on pre-order myself and I can't wait to have it drop through the letterbox. Absolutely amazing work. And yeah, hopefully we can speak again soon. Yes, I would love to. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for everything you do. It's like it's always really interesting to learn about where the design from other kits have come from as well, you know? So, so yeah, I'm a big fan of yours and a big fan um, of everything you put out. So yeah, uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you today. Top man. Thank you, Chris. Huge congratulations to York for getting promoted back to the National League over the weekend. Who's going to order the shirt then? So I said in that interview there, I have got one on pre-order. Yeah, I can't wait. I don't know when it's going to arrive, but hopefully quicker than the next Manto de Massa will anyway. Last time a Scotsman was in York was William Wallace, so I've not ordered one. Yeah, and I, I like the shirt, but I hate York, so not for me. Why don't you like York? Yeah, because they Beep. gave me a speeding ticket when I came home from there once. 120 quid for doing 70 on a dual carriageway? That's a joke. I think it's an incredible shirt, and it's definitely going to be up there. We'll do an episode, which I'm sure we will at one point, talking about the shirts of the year. So we'll revisit that. Right, now on to this week's Kit Room 101. Hi, my name is Adam. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at this one kit, and I would like to put printing new badges and sponsors onto old templates into room 101. Now, this is a personal thing. I'm not knocking people who do this for their own personal collection, and I totally understand the appeal of buying an old Adidas Ipswich template, for example, and turning it into a Netherlands 88 shirt. It's not for me, though. Um, for me, part of the fun and thrill of collecting is tracking down a genuine shirt from the time. And again, this is just personal, but printing your own logos onto something is just not the same. Mike, I can see even under those tattoos, you're getting hot under the collar. So go on. It's, it's a big no from me. So many reasons. It's where to even start if, if you're doing it for your own collection and it's never going anywhere then whatever knock yourself out you, you can do whatever you like but problem is they don't stay in people's own collections do they they end up being sold on and some poor sod down the line gets absolutely robbed blind of his hard-earned money um we've seen it before as the uh you know the kit mag account tweeted about the iax shirts there's a few of those terrible umbro templates that have been printed up bound and around and I mean they were selling for we're talking 300 quid a pop as well so yeah ouch. this week what yeah ouch big style um and there's there's another one that's popped up this week there was a Bayern Munich shirt that I've seen on eBay it's a, a mock-up of the um centenary uh, sorry the 90th anniversary shirt from back in 89 which is one of my favorite shirts you know if again if it was made for someone's own collection fine but they've not done that whoever's done it has made it and they're now selling it only for 40 quid they've been honest so you know fair enough 
two problems with that for me. One is they've used the wrong badge on it, which, you know, as a buying collector bothers me immensely. Um, but the other one is the problem is the next person who sells that shirt may not sell it as a template. So for me, it, it's, it's just it's just a big no because it's too too much risk involved. Yeah, I'm just going to agree with Mike there on pretty much every point. It's it's a no from me, mainly because, like Mike said, we're you know we're we're now dealing with collectibles. These aren't just shirts anymore. They've, the the value in things are increasing, the rarity in these items are increasing, and you know people are getting massively stung. And it's not it's not the first guy that makes it, or the, you know the if you want to wear it to fives, great, you should show up to fives and a Holland eighty eight shirt that costs you thirty quid because it's a printed up template. Crack on, but. It's the and we see this the whole time on Twitter especially. People aren't holding shirts long enough to, to claim that oh it's just for me. You know they can w- within six months we've seen the same shirt pass through three or four hands, and that's when it starts to get cloudy. You can the first person that makes it sells it honestly, the buyer buys it. Maybe even he sells it honestly, but but the, it could then get diluted through the third, fourth, fifth, sixth person. You never know. I know some people don't want to admit it, but we've had Dutch journalists, we've had people that are associated with the national team at the time come out and say that that Holland 88 away shirt, the Blue Ipswich shirt, doesn't exist. It was never worn, it was never made, and they're they're all over the internet for £350. And there's some serious, serious Twitter community members with several thousand followers that have one and have been stung paying 350 quid for one. And now, essentially, the, the people that follow the storyline know that it's worthless. So you have a collector that's paid 350 quid for a 40 pound t-shirt. And if they do move it on, they're now gonna be doing it dishonestly because most of them now know that it's a fake shirt. So if they try to recoup their 350 pound, that's the problem I have with it. That's a really tricky one, actually, because there's books out there in print that claim that shirt's real, and people who've only ever seen the book are going to continue to think that's a real shirt. But, but the other point you touched on around people selling things on, you don't just see it with templates, you see it with reproductions as well, you know, authentic reproductions. I mean, personally, I've seen quite a few of the Fiorentina ABM shirts that have been remanufactured, moved on as original. That touches on Mike's point last week about the Man United reissues. That, but but it's it's always the minority that ruin it for the many, isn't it? There are people out there that will try to make a bit of money or fleece somebody, and that just yeah, I think it's a dangerous game. I think by printing them up so close, and as you as we mentioned the the Ajax shirt, you know the 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 templates have legitimate Umbro labels because they are legitimate Umbro shirts. They are just not the collectible football shirt so you can you can easily be had it, it's hard to disagree with with either of you really i mean i think the problem comes is, is like you said when they enter circulation and people start selling them on i've got no issue with people doing it and keeping it but there's there's a big if there but in terms of an analogy i guess it's like you know you see those those like kit cars and you could you could buy a chassis of like a ferrari or an aston martin but underneath it's got the engine of a, of a VW, you know, like it's, it's essentially the same thing. You wouldn't ever sell that car off as an offensive Ferrari because it's not, it's just done up to look like one. And it's the same with these shirts. And, you know, if you're a, a collector, if I had one of those shirts and was maybe a bit unsuspecting the fact that it has been patched up and I did find out, I'd be really disappointed. I, I imagine I would easily be caught out by one. So 
yeah, I can't really condone them because, like you said, it's such a blurred, blurred lines with it all. So here's a question for everybody. Are they fake? Because, like, you know, we're dealing, we're now dealing with collectibles. There's a, there's a big enough market now. Look at, look at what CFS have done. You know, they have gone from a bedroom to a, mat, you know, to a multi-million pound company in a huge factory selling these shirts. So these are collectibles. I mean, if you fake a Picasso and sell it to somebody and they find out, that's fraud. You probably do jail time for that. So if you, if you have a hold of one of these items and you're advertising and selling it as a legitimate product and, you know, marking the price up 100,000%, is it, is it fraud? Is it a fake? I mean, it's essentially the same thing. Uh, you know what? I, I think a lot of people will disagree, but yeah, they are fakes because they are unlicensed reproductions of a, a, an original creation, essentially. They're, they're, they're not what they are pretending to be. Yes, it is an authentic Adidas T-shirt underneath or Puma, Umbra, whatever you want to reproduce, but it is a fake shirt. It's pretending to be something that it isn't. If people were making these and they were going into their wardrobe or they were going and, you know, looking awesome, playing five side with them, yeah, what, whatever. But yeah, it, it just not happening. Just to add one thing as well, I think even from the moving away from the sort of like the the moral side of it, I think like Adam touched on his his, his um, suggestion there. It, it takes a bit of the fun out of collecting, really, doesn't it? I mean if we could all just make the shirts that we we want and you know just just buy the the different components and put them together then where where's the fun in in collecting that you know part of the buzz is is the hunt is the looking for something i mean I've, there are shirts that we all of us here have looked for for, for literally years and we once when you find it there's, there's no better feeling than when you finally get that shirt and it's and it's on the way and you could tweet about it. You could tweet that you've bought it, that it's on the way and, and whatever. But as soon as it arrives, there's no better feeling than, than holding that shirt and going, oh, my God, this this is literally. I mean, I did it with an, such a simple shirt, but the Norway 94 US, USA World Cup shirt. That that shirt, I wanted that as a kid. Essentially, it took me like 30 years to get one of those. You know, it, it, was, a, it was an amazing feeling when I finally did. So I think that like, it takes away from that as well. Room 101, 100%. So it's up to people what they do wearing shirts, and if they're printing them up and keeping them in, if the rest of their lives are not not they're not entering into the market, we're generally okay with that. But I think it's a resounding unless anybody's going to correct me, it's a resounding. Let's put this into room one hundred and one. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Brilliant. It's amazing we still got listeners actually, but you know they continue to go up each week, even though we offend more and more people as the weeks go by. We do appreciate you listening to us. Um, yeah, our friends and family choose not to, and that's why we sit around a laptop and record this. And this is the only time you'll ever hear this, but hopefully we'll be uh, congratulating the newly crowned Premier League champions when this comes out on Monday, and that will be Manchester City. <gasps> Scott. We don't like to swear on this programme, but Beep. hell, Scott. That's how I hate Liverpool. <laughs> if, if we need a bit of balance again as a Villa fan, I hope Villa win, to be honest. <laughs> Please continue to give us some feedback on the social media, guys. It really does mean a lot, and we do take it all on board. And thank you so much as well for getting us to 5,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, we all put a really lot of work in, hard work into this, and 
hopefully it pays off and, and you keep listening and keep enjoying. So yeah, thank you so much. 